Welcome to the Football Index podcast. I am rejoined by Stamford, the rat catcher. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Good to speak to you again, Vic. And um, I know you're offline just now, but um, I think you're doing a great job, so keep up the good work. Thank you very much for your kind words. Well, you know what? I, I, I know you're a popular man on Twitter, but I really didn't expect this many questions. Did you? I was quite surprised by the response, especially that uh, given the, the time frame, it's only... 24 hours, I think you've had the post up and we've got <laughs> chat about. Um, there's some really interesting questions in there as well. Yeah, there's some really good ones. Um, as you can imagine, we've started off with some rat ones, rat-related rat ones, as you kind of coined the phrase. So what, why don't you define a rat on Football Index first off? Yeah, okay. So um, I don't know if anyone's listened to the previous podcast I was involved with. That was back in, um, in around about March. Um and I was getting increasingly more frustrated with um, short-term traders, um, and particularly those that were pumping and dumping, as it's now being coined as well. Um, and I refer to them as uh, rats, and only in a jovial manner, but it seems to have stuck. Um, so um, those those people that sort of fall into that category, um, they are the classic pumpers and dumpers, and they they're actually getting more clever. So we have to be a bit more cunning on how we recognise. Um, that we're going to get flipped out of the trade or, or ratted out, as I as I like to term it. Um, so I've got a, I've got a few um, points for people to take on board um, about how they can protect themselves because because it, it's a legitimate way of making money, and uh, and I appreciate uh, Chrissy's comments on the last podcast about it perhaps not being the most moral morally acceptable way to make money, but nevertheless, uh, as soon as you mix people and money, people are going to try and exploit others. Um, so it's really important that we learn how to protect ourselves from them. Um, and and firstly, I, I think what perhaps more than most uh, don't understand is that, that there's a lot of people that don't actually read the rules on Football Index. Um, I, I saw a post on Facebook, um, and it was one chap that said he'd, he'd be really successful investing in youth players, but uh, he didn't understand what all these dividends were about. And I was absolutely gobsmacked. And I thought, how can you invest in something that's based on dividends and you don't understand what you're investing in? Um, so if you don't know what how, how the indexes works and, and that dividends is a driver in the market, then you really need to understand that. And there's some great content, particularly from Fig um, and others that, 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 that you can go and take a look at, look at and, uh, and see how it works. Um, and there's, there's a couple of couple of ways we can actually recognize the pumping and dumping on Twitter. Um, so you'll see tweets, then you'll see them on the trending list. The trending list is done in percentage terms, and it's something that, that you should bear in mind with that. Um, so the lower price players will generally be on there. Um, so if they are making it on that list and they've gone up 40, 50% in a day, you need to be asking yourself questions. If you see that accompanied by a pump on Twitter, then you know, you're know getting much hotter indications that you're you're potentially going to get ratted out if you invested on it. And then lastly, if you see the market sold when you invest in it, you know that you've been flipped out straight away. Um, so coupled with that, do your own research. Check out who you follow on Twitter as well. That's very important there. There's lots of people who disguise themselves as tipsters and things like that. Um, so be very careful. Do your own research and, and just really think about why you're investing in someone um, and how they've risen or how their price has moved. Uh, shortly before that and you, you'll be better placed to recognize those thank you very much for giving us that definition <laughs> uh, so as you can imagine first few questions were rat related so 
Index Profit Hunter asked you to rank your top three FI rats and an explanation for their rank. And Ryan Freeland also asked who the biggest rat is. So why don't you give us your top three rats on Football Index and an explanation as to why each are rats? Yeah, I mean, this was an interesting one. I, I, I don't really want to start digging people out. Um, so I'm not I'm not going to answer that, that one about the top three. But I, I, I will perhaps let you into, into this bit of knowledge. And, and I don't know if anyone thought along these lines, but I think perhaps the biggest rat might be football index itself. Um, you know, when they are IPO at these high prices and people are buying, and if I was football index, I would do the same, that have a very limited value, particularly these youth players. I mean, who was it that got IPO today? Um, Mason, Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenwood, £1.80. He's now £2.80. He's 17. I, I just think it's crazy. It, I get so frustrated by it. Um, and and I think what I think why, where I'm getting at with this is, is football index are, are over the past few months they've been more and more keen to push youth players and players that perhaps don't have as big a dividend potential as others. Um, they, they've been more keen to demonstrate that that they are ways of making money. And, and yes, from a capital appreciation point, they are. And you, and you've got to remember that that this is all linked to the market, uh, to the order book. So people will be saying, you know, how can index be, rat- be wrapping them up? But as soon as you market sell them and there's that peer-to-peer trading going on and, uh, and football index aren't buying them back, they put your £1.80 or your £2.80 into the market and they're not taking it back. So so there's that peer-to-peer trading going on. And the, the more of that they do, the, the less risk that football index take on. And I, and I think that they they are pushing the market more and more in that direction. And I'm not saying that they are trying to uh, manipulate the market in, in any way, but I, I don't know, but perhaps there's perhaps there's a case that when, when they're only promoting one type of player, perhaps they are. I'm not sure. I also saw a, a post which I, I put on Twitter. It was a, it's a Carabao Cup game, and they compared two players, um, both, both of which, you know, you can't win performance dividends in the Carabao you can't win GNA, and only one of the players was in the top 200 for a media dividend. And they were comparing the two players on a um, on a who scored rating. And I just thought, is, is that really appropriate? So I, I'm not sure. I think maybe football index are, are onto something there. I, I think that's great business from them. But I think when you're investing in people, you really need to think about why you're investing. And and certainly on the IPO players and, and the youth aspect, you need you need to really think about how much of it is hype, how much is speculation, how much of it is rat money, and then how much of it is true value. Uh, by that, I mean the, the potentially dividend back value. And I think some of that's a little bit misunderstood at the moment. So just going back to your original point, in terms of Football Index pumping youngsters, what do you think their actual party line should be? Do you think they should kind of stay clear of potentially being seen as either endorsing or criticizing certain holds do you think they should just stay out of it completely and use a different manner to actually interact with the community yeah I, that, that's exactly what i think i don't i don't think they should be um, endorsing or advising otherwise on any particular player i think if they can think of ways to promote football index without referring to particular prices or ratings, I think that's better. But it, I, I think if they are going to do it, then I think they should bring into play 
the dividend value that each player represents and, and thereby give them some basis on a truer value. Or, or at least at least use potential PB scores where they could have won on a different day, for example, or they've they've been on a genuine good run with media buzz scores and, and been unlucky, etc. Or I don't even really mind it when they say a big news story comes out about Paul Pogba and you know he's going to be in the news. If Football Index highlight that, that's not so bad. But I think if you're talking about how I remember explicitly one about Callum Hudson-Odoi in pre-season he'd played quite well he'd obviously risen a lot and football index said wow look how much he's risen in the last month and it's like well yeah you're just highlighting speculative value there yeah absolutely um i mean speculative value does have a place at the index and uh, in their defense you know perhaps that that's what they're highlighting but it seems it definitely seems to be weighted that they're, they're always targeting that type of value rather than uh demonstrating the dividends that are on offer and, and perhaps that would be better promotion for them because then then users will be able to see that side of the market and, and how that drives it as well at the, at the moment i think we're, we're only seeing a very speculative side of the market being advertised from football index and i don't think speculation is bad but if that's the way not your onboarding users but if there's someone new who comes onto the platform and that's the first thing they see then maybe that's the thing that they look at on their index journey until they kind of realize that in fact some of those holds are very risky because you don't know when one of these players is going to get loaned out to a league two club or if they're going to be re-signed or if they're just not going to make it i think potentially a lot of what we're seeing is because we haven't seen the freddie adu of football index have we yeah exactly and um i mean like you say speculation does have a place in the market but, but you have to bear in mind where they are where their potential end goal is. Um, I mean, if you compare some of the some of the younger players to where they are potentially filling a slot in a top flight team, um, I know, for example, uh, Sterling was compared to Vinicius Junior. For example, um, you could compare uh, the chap today, uh, Mason Greenwood, perhaps to Rashford. Um, and as and as soon as those prices start getting closer to where they would be in a top flight club, then it's no longer so much of a punt. It's the risk is much higher. And especially if they're not, um, they're not in a position to give you any dividend back returns and, and show you their true value. They're, they're just as likely to be loaned out to a, a low league team to, I mean, look at Lukaku, for example, Chelsea to Everton, then he got his big break at United. Um, I mean, if he was on the index, as a youngster, um, perhaps you would see that rise and fall with the players. But because it's been such a, a short time since the squad's been opened, we haven't seen that longevity in the players and, and their career played out. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we'll see more movement upwards in these youngsters, but we will see a lot of them fall. And we have seen a lot of them fall in the past, to be fair. So it, it remains to be seen how high some of them can go and what their peak will be if they do rise to certain points and what they'll fall to. I do think there's that notion of getting in before everyone else and then holding until they get to a certain point. I, I think that a week or two weeks or four weeks, eight weeks in, on the index is a long time, isn't it? As you know from someone's experience of being on the platform for so long. So I think that a lot of people and you, yourself, you look at, things in quite a, a long-term view but we do need to remember that 
a day, a week, a month on Football Index is quite a reasonably long time on the platform, if that makes sense, in terms of the ability of of actual capital to move around. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Another thing I'd like to throw in the mix is um, I I don't know how many people actually look at data and how that supports um, players' PB scores. Uh, And there's there's loads of great sites out there. Football Football Index Edge is the one that I use. And I can fully endorse that. It's, it's, it's really good. Um, so if you haven't checked it out, then then do. Um, but I know Football Index is working on its own data site, and that will probably be bad news for the uh, for the data boys that have got their own businesses set up around it. But as soon as that becomes mainstream and, and people can see the underlying data that supports a price, then I think I've got a hunch that some of these youngsters might get found out a little bit as players as trainers appreciate what true value really nice yeah i think uh we need to move on to the next question which is from marcus friedman as the fabled pied piper of the index could you outline some of the glaring indicators of rat money i think you've gone over this a little bit luke haven't you yeah i, I would just to reiterate pumped on twitter trending and being market sold to the, the three winning things that i looked at, look for but you need to understand the rules look who you follow on twitter and do your own research just to summarize uh yeah <laughs> Very concise. It's almost as you've got uh, as if you've got a poster of them on your wall or something like that. Uh, next question from Semi Skimmed: Do you sometimes regret not making that rat money off of players without a solid underlying dividend potential? Are there times you would consider jumping on a ratty player, e.g. MGW? Is that Mason Greenwood? Perhaps. Yeah, I think maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is frustrating when when you miss out on on rises, but but you can't win them all. Um, and you've got to pick and choose who you get on. I, I mean, my my biggest downfall is that is my cash balance. I I, I just get I just see value everywhere, so I just buy as soon as I've got anything in my cash balance, and and that's something that I really need to address because um, I'd be a much better trader for it. Um, but my advice on um, getting on these short term rises and and taking advantage of that, if you're going to get in, then get in early. And get out early. Like don't don't get caught and get flipped out. Um, so have an exit strategy and stick to it. And if you make a loss, just get out. Is is what I would say. I think you need to be quite emotionless and objective. I think you need to look at these players. Unfortunately, you just have to look at them compared to other players that have that speculative value within them. So you need to compare these youngsters to each other and obviously these bubbles become bubbles within themselves, if that makes sense. But you just need to, as you mentioned, get in and out at the right times. Or if you truly believe in the player, then hold, of course. If you truly believe that that player is going to become... A lot of people say they're looking for the next Neymar. And and I loved what... um, I don't know if you saw what Football Index SOTD tweeted about how Neymar arguably hasn't improved or has improved very little as a footballer since the index started. It's just the variables that have changed on the index have been so drastic that the money gone into him has been created by these changed variables. So we're talking about, for example, MB, him being a one-named uh, one-name player and how we then transitioned into triple MB or the three-tiered MB and then PB came in and he was also coincidentally very good at that as well. So you've got all these variables added to the fact that um, we share-splitted. Uh, obviously, dividends were doubled again on PB and just the market was uh, like quadrupled in a matter of six to nine months. Then, you know, his underlying value compared to the amount of money in the index and the dividends at hand at the time 
wasn't hasn't actually really changed as much it's just kind of risen with the market of course there's been some growth but it's been widely over uh, overhyped i think don't you agree yeah i fully agree with all of that and uh, it's worth bearing in mind that it takes a lot to compete with neymar the, the dividends that he's returning um and he's, he's still got potentially his best yet to come um so be very careful when you're trying to compare people with him because for every Neymar, there's going to be thousands that that just fall fall by the wayside. Yeah, especially in I don't know, I don't know. It's like a time when youngsters are. I don't know if it's always been like this. Uh, you know, I'm not that old. I don't have that many years on myself, so I haven't seen that many youngsters come up and kind of make it into the first team but there are a lot of youngsters I think we talked about in a previous podcast about Arsenal youngsters uh, the club that I support like Henry Lansbury and J. Emmanuel Thomas who broke all the all the youth team goal records and then made absolutely nowhere in the Arsenal team so there are so many of those players as you mentioned that just don't do anything and there are very few Neymars and there are very few of the Neymars with that that kind of um, one name play for Brazil are kind of the poster boy are very marketable. Remember that you have players that like Lionel Messi, who is less of a marketable player than Neymar. So you've got to think about all these variables that are played into him becoming the most expensive player on the index. Yeah. And it's also worth remembering that it takes a lot of balls to hold someone from £1.80. If if this chap uh, does ever make it uh, Mason Greenwood to Neymar's level. I mean, when, if Mason Wing Greenwood ever gets to four, five, six pounds, dare I say, um, which I, I'm not endorsing you by him at all, 17. Um, but if he does reach those heights, are you seriously going to hold him thinking that he could become a new Neymar? I, the, the risk is is quite significant at that point. Um, so it, like, I, I think it's always a, a good analogy to, to think of holding a player the same as buying him at that price. Yes. So you've got to consider whether you would. And if the answer to that is no, then perhaps it's time to move on. Do, do you think that's what a lot of people are getting caught up in, that, that green? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, you, uh, and I think it was Zen that put this out on Twitter once, is, is close your eyes and, and if you can imagine this price moving one way or the other, then, then that's what you should think about. The, the colour system that Footballing are using is, is perhaps, again, um, a little bit of, I mean, it's not misadvertising, but it's 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 getting people to think in a certain way, which perhaps isn't appropriate. Mm, yeah, but I, I think we've talked about rat-related things and we've gone on a few tangents that I think have been beneficial for listeners. But should we move on to the next kind of area, which was, um, I, I like to call it worries and the future of Football Index. So we got a lot of questions about the future of Football Index and, and some worrying or people that are worried about the index. So... Let's start off with um, Zen and the Art of Football Index. He says, do you feel... This is one of the most liked questions, by the way, so clearly the most popular one. So if you want to... We want to spend a bit more time on this one. Do you feel that since the start of the season, the market hasn't operated that effectively on its own and has only done so when FI have provided stimulus via deposit bonuses or new dividend payments? And does this concern you at all? Yeah, I, I fully agree. This was a very interesting question and it's probably the one I've spent the most time thinking about. Um, so I've, I've gone past a few past few months um, and just pointed out some, some, some things where Football Index have intervened. Um, so in August, there was a 10% bonus and the footy was at 25,000 points. 
September, there was a further 10%. The FTSE was at 35,000 points. GNA was announced on 17th of October, and then there was a further 10% bonus on the 29th of October, and the FTSE now sits at 45,000 points. So the market cap has almost doubled in the last three months, which is huge. Um, that's one hell of a bull run um, in any market. Um, and what we've seen is at, at the at the start and the end of these deposit periods is people finding value elsewhere in the market. And, and you, you probably noticed that the, the value always starts at the top and then trickles down to the bottom at the end of the deposit phase as people buying towards the bottom end of the market. Um, and then, of course, when the deposits get paid, there's a, there's a further uh, bit of instability where people are either withdrawing money or or um, spending those deposits that they get, the, the bonuses they, that they get. Um, and then coupled in with all of that, you've got the, the confidence issue that GNA brought about. Um, and then and then all this um, investment in youth players, which which has been and, and defenders prior to that, which which are kind of market cycles on their own. Um, and coupled with that, you've got the normal ups and downs of, of football index and everything that that brings with it in terms of the actual football. So it's been it's been a very busy period, and and I think my best answer to, is to this is that I don't think the market's had a chance to demonstrate that it can operate effectively because there's been so much intervention from football index, um, and and I know a lot of people talk about liking to see a period of stability with some organic growth. Um, but with all this going on, I, I don't think we've had an opportunity to see that. I don't know what your thoughts are on it, because it's a really interesting so, so do you think, just to, before I give my thoughts, do you think the answer is then to give the market some time to breathe? I think that would be a good idea, yes. Um, I mean, the new users that will have joined throughout the last three months, they will have been on a complete roller coaster because there's been so much intervention and all these things going on. Um, that I think perhaps they've been lulled into a little bit of a false sense of security about um, how they how they should go about trading in and around the football index. And with all this stuff going on, it, it makes things so much more complicated. And, and perhaps that's why people have just sort of not, not really bothered reading the rules as much as they perhaps should and not done as much research because largely whoever you bought within the last three months, particularly if you invested back in August, you, you'd have to be one hell of a trader to to make to make mistakes. Um, if you held over that three month period, everyone's gone up. So it, I don't know. It's it's a really interesting question. And in terms of does it concern me? Well, I mean, yes and no. Our our football index, like where are they going with it? And and I think I think what we've seen is that they're clearly driving the market cap to the order book. And I and I think. I think that's what's going on, apart from perhaps the last deposit bonus, which was almost like an apology from Football Index. And I kind of agree with you that you mentioned with Chrissy, where it perhaps wasn't necessary. But there's there's a clear stance from Football Index that they want this market cap as high as possible for the order book, and they want to get there as quickly as possible. And that, that kind of seems where we're going at the moment with it. Yeah, I, I did speculate that perhaps the deposit bonuses that were coming thick and fast were to push the order book up. 
in terms of the trajectory timeline or the roadmap of football index the more i think about it though the more i think it's it's a strange thing to want because in a way on one hand yes football index then have more money to spend and perhaps they need to pay certain bills the sky deals aren't cheap the talk sport deals aren't cheap at the same time though you want sustained growth and you want sustainable growth and also when the market is rising but not at a ridiculous rate it's easier for people to get in the swing of things wouldn't you agree yeah completely um so whether we do see a period of stability um I, i'm not sure i mean we've got the results of, of gna and, and what decision they go with um i think in the middle of november they they mentioned they're going to announce that um obviously we've got the uh, trader meet tomorrow with Dublin, so there there might be some news in and around that. I'd be surprised if there's um, if there's anything that's going to directly affect the market. I think it's going to be more of a, a marketing update type thing. Um, so hopefully we will get a, a little bit of period of stability where people can find their feet a little bit and really really dig into the the value in and around the players um, and get a little bit of organic growth going on. I think that would be a really good thing for the index at the moment. Yeah, and I think the reason that we've seen so many speculative buys or buys in speculative players is because the market itself or the players themselves haven't played enough games to show their true value, some of them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're only, what, three months into the season. Um, Champions League is just starting to hot up at the back end of the, the group games. So... People are going to be introduced, those that weren't here last season, to all the volatility that comes in around uh, Champions League knockout stages. Um, so that there's plenty of disruptions in and around the market as it is without the interference from football index. And, and I think um, the sooner newer traders get a, hack, get a hold of that, then the better they'll be uh, placed long term. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say one thing before we move on. It's that a lot of traders in the last nine months the the people that have joined up in the last nine months perhaps the reason football index have felt the need to intervene and and keep it going in an upward trajectory is because those people just didn't see red for so long and i think that's an important part of your football index journey to have losses and to see that red and to try and manage that pain of losing value in your investment or your bet Football Index have kind of tried to mitigate the need for someone to learn the hard way in air uh, in air quotes by instilling these deposit bonuses and perhaps and arguably through what you said earlier through maybe pumping certain not pumping but kind of endorsing or using certain players as examples and uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, I, one other thing to add is. Um, I, I took I took a look at the uh, the Cedars uh, updates from uh, 2016 and 2017 before I came on here today. Um, and one thing, one quote uh, that, that was on the 2016 uh, thing was on their uh, marketing strategy was sorry the monetary strategy. Uh, their aim was to grow a market cap up to 100 million pounds. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wow. And I think we're currently best estimates that I've seen from Edge is I think it's Edge that the the, the Figures on it, assuming a pounds, uh, sorry, one pence movement per hundred shares is that we're between thirty and thirty-five million. Yeah, I think maybe slightly less than that. Um, maybe I'm not sure. I've speculated at like twenty-five, but I don't know. Have you? Unless you've got some better data or better estimate. No, 
perhaps I, I misread that that time then. But um, you know, either way, we're we've still got four to three times, three to four times more growth. It's four they realise that goal. So, I mean, people talk about early days, and yes, it is early days uh, if you look at their their longer term strategy. Um, and I, I don't know if it's changed since then. This was back in 2016. Perhaps the goalposts have moved. Perhaps they think it's going to be bigger, it'll be smaller. I, I don't know. But but surely, surely to do that, they'd have to do two things, and that's um, IPO a shit ton of players uh perhaps you do something as asp mentioned in a, in a in several podcast episodes ago where you'd have this massive database and then you'd have to probably double triple dividends to get to that mark and by that we by then we'd have players that are like 40 50 pounds and all this talk of kind of a lower barrier to entry for for new users would be a bit uh, a bit strange really you'd have to have you'd have to have a relatively big starting budget um to, to probably start on the index and to be fair to play devil's advocate to myself maybe then they could uh, install the the decimal idea and then people could buy decimals of shares i don't know i'm just going in circles now i think yeah no i think that's interesting. i mean i was going to comment this later but perhaps it's worth covering now um the dividends on offer from football index are still very generous uh, in terms of, of yields um i took a look at the financial market and tried to kind of put this into context a little bit um, so I took, at the, took a look at the best dividend yield in FTSE 100 UK stocks, and they, they fall as follows. Uh, so this was for the last year. Uh, Everas um, were at 11.18%, Persimmon 9.9%, Vodafone 8.77%, SSE 8.18%, and Cedrica 8.12%. If you compare that to the top dividend, uh, so I, I compared this to the top 100 um football index stocks, if you like, uh, and, and they fall as follows. So Ronaldo, 46.89%, Pogba, 33.39%, Salah, 36.04%, Neymar, 20.92%, and Messi, 19.05%. So in terms of dividend yields, football index offer huge returns. But, um, but just, to, just to play devil's advocate, isn't the risk associated with having money in football index so much larger than being in the stock market, for example. Yeah, of course. Um, and, that, and that's that those dividend yields certainly reflect that. Um, but if you invest in certain ways, you, you, you can be clever about the way you invest and not expose yourself too much by diversifying and hedging your bets, all sorts of things you can do. But in terms of the, the face value of the dividends, they, they are extremely generous. Um, so, when people talk about uh, how far the market's got to go, then I think we, I think there is a lot of room for further price rises for us to realise perhaps closer to that hundred million market cap than perhaps people realise. What well, What do you think the the max price of a player someone would be willing to buy with the current dividends on offer? I know it depends on how much a player could return, but just speculate for me. Um, I, I think it's largely due to spreads, not so much um, how much they're willing to pay. Um, so I, I, I genuinely believe that uh, we, we will benefit from a share split purely because it will get the spreads down. I don't know percentage terms that are the same, but in monetary value, they're a lot less scary. Um, so without a split, I, I, I don't know, it's difficult. I, I could see Neymar perhaps pushing up to 17, perhaps 18 pounds. And then with a split, a lot of people think that we're going to race straight back up to that value, but I think people don't appreciate that it's going to 
take the market cap to almost quadruple to get a player back to his current price if the dividends don't change. Um, so perhaps, I don't know, it depends how they split it. If it's a two-fold split, you might see, you might see a £10 player with the currency. But, you know, things are going to change before, before we get to realise that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, we need to move on to the next question because we're going to run out of time otherwise. Uh, Football Index Focus, what would you say is more important for the immediate future of the index, expanding into new territories or increasing the user base in the UK? Yeah, another interesting question. Um, I would I would play devil's advocate and say neither. And I, I think they need to um, focus on their current products and iron out the problems in their current product before they... Uh, move forward with this any further. I mean, it goes back to the analogy of a fishing boat and uh, an oil tanker. Um, but there's there's so many issues with it, and, and I know a lot of it is linked to the new site and to the data site and to the order book. But once once all that's there, I think a lot of it will disappear into the ether, and, and we'll have a much better product for it. Um, but if I, if I had to pick on the questions, then I would say they should concentrate. On, uh, on the UK at the moment and then when, when things are a little bit more in order then, then expand further mm, okay interesting so you, you think it's actually working on the, the current platform in itself and the, the current um, product but that in itself would potentially increase the use, user base in the UK as a byproduct may it? yeah I, I think that's a good thing um, I don't think they should stop uh, recruiting uh, you know that's, that's not what I'm getting I, I just think before they launch off into, um, I think they mentioned Spain and Germany next year. Um, if, I, I think uh, there's, a, there's a lot of issues to iron out. And, and as soon as they move into Spain, Germany, you know, what are they going to do with media buzz? Um, and then, it's, then there's going to be a whole load of, of uh, disruption around the market about people buying Spanish and German players just because that's their nationality. Um, and then we've got the whole GNA thing to iron out as well. So a lot of things to happen before i think we're ready to make that step yeah i mean lots of i don't want to call it uncertainty but because i don't think it's quite that but at the same time if you do view it as uncertainty it's a time where you can lose a lot of money but also a time where there's massive opportunities you can make quite a lot of money but i think that being outside the uk is a positive and whilst i think it's positive for the product to be available in countries outside the uk i don't think they've done much of a marketing push in those territories and i mean i'm only going by what i see from my listening stats on the podcast but as i mentioned one percent in ireland one percent in sweden and it's not exactly groundbreaking and if we imagine that as the market cap is one percent of this 25 million whatever or less than that is in sweden one percent is in ireland these things aren't really moving mountains are they currently so in terms of if as you say their business objective is to get to that 100 million market cap as soon as they can, then perhaps opening up new territories and not marketing them properly isn't the way to go. And maybe it is trying to find the untapped area of the UK that you currently don't have yet and marketing in that area harder. I also think that there's the I also think that if you look at the previous podcast with Adam and Mike, that this notion of the minimum viable product and how they just want to get it out to as many people as possible, that's all well and good. But I've said this for a few weeks now that you need to at some point rein it in and create a robust product, which then can kind of 
be marketed on its own via word of mouth because if you have this really robust good product that everyone understands and everyone loves using then suddenly there's no reason why you Luke won't say it to all your mates and I know that there's been people I know that haven't told others about football index because they're using it but they don't love it and they're not 100% confident in it if you have that user loyalty and like massive love for the product and if everyone has the love for the product then it's so much easier that network effect is just leveraged so much it's so much faster yeah completely agree with all of that um it's probably worth adding that um they, they are looking at ways of, of uh, doing the marketing abroad i mean obviously the dublin trailer meet will appear will appeal to that so that push in ireland uh, andy townsend coming on board the previous irish captain that's great news um, that steps in for Gwilym Bay at the last minute, but it uh, looks like he's going to make it to Dublin as well. Um, he, he's linked with Spain, so and, and he's got a huge audience on Twitter. So they are they are doing some of the right things, but if they're going to do it, they need to do more of it. Mm, yeah, I think that acquisition of Gwilym Balaguer was uh, was a big one. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, yeah. His audience is massive, and he, he's he's got a huge reach. Mm-hmm, certainly so let's see how he does tomorrow in ireland next question ryan pierce what's your commission compared to dividends and is that and if they are how i suspect they are are you worried about the long-term future of the index yeah okay another interesting question as a bit of a, a hoarder a buzz club, whatever you like to call me then you can imagine my commission is is relatively limited so i compared uh, some some three-month periods in my portfolio um and, uh, and they all came out the same, which I was surprised at. So I roughly turn over uh, £2,000 a month in dividends, roughly. Um, and of that, I spend £150 in commission, which equates to 7.5%. Um, and I was surprised at that. I thought it might be slightly higher, but it's, but it's not. Um, and I think sometimes that can be a little bit skewed, perhaps in the players that I do have, because I do have those huge dividend yielding players. Um, but I, am I concerned about that? Well, again, I took another look at Cedars um, at the monetization strategy, and this time from 2017 in June, when the footy was at 6,000 points. Um, and here they, they put together how, how, how they see commission and dividends playing out. Um, so they attribute 2.5% of their profit from sales in the spread, 2% for commission, and they reckon they were paying out 1.27% in dividends, uh, which equated to uh, their profit from sales is 3.23%. Um, and they they state that it's based on a, a high turnover. Um, and AC has already already said that uh, stocks get turned over uh, with an average hold length of two days. Um, and they've also previously said that they've regularly now turned over a million pounds a day. Um, and if you equate that into that, formula that comes out as a profit of £32,000 a day um, or a million pounds a month, um, which are big numbers. And this was pre, I'm not sure if this was when PB was on the, the lower limit before it got doubled um, or if that uh, was pre-PB. So obviously you've got to account for that, um, but also appreciate the footy then was at 6,000 points and it's now 45,000 points. Um, so the market cap is is almost tenfold um, on that. So that's there's a huge amount of liquidity in the market that there wasn't there before. So that million pound turnover that they were doing every other day, I can't remember when they mentioned it, they, they said, you know, they did it now and again. 
uh, that's going to be a much higher percentage of the time now, if not every day, and perhaps they're turning over one and a half these days. I, I don't really know. It'd be interesting to know a lot of it's commercially sensitive. But from that perspective, no, I don't. I don't see it as a as a concern, and particularly when you when you look at the amount of dividends in monetary value that are going in. So going back to Ronaldo's yield of 46.89%, which equated to £5.28 dividends. Now, it's difficult to put a value on it, but I, I used a value of £10 as his average share price over that 12-month period. And if you use that number, then exclude an IPO price, which I don't know what it was, but that's roughly about half a million pounds in dividends that they paid out. And I think the key to all this is that dividends get reinvested uh, in, in my experience and, I, and a lot of others experience. So I, I don't, I wouldn't like to put a number on it, but I would say upwards of 90% of dividends are then reinvested and that compounds the growth of the, of the index. And I thought what quite an interesting analogy was with Einstein's comment about compound interest being the eighth wonder of the world. So if you give a, given that, that high liquidity model with perhaps one of the one of the reasons with GNA backing that is, is that liquidity is there to support uh, dividends. Hmm, interesting. So you think that football index can feasibly pivot into being a, a fully viable business by because the commissions are covered by oh the dividends are covered by commissions rather. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if they are, but that's that's the best guess. That well, I that's the give. that's the aim, rather, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and they've already talked about the order book having a a um, a third party player in, in the index that's gonna. Uh, I got the name for it. Nasdaq. That well, I think they're gonna be potentially building it, building the actual tech. But I don't know who the third party provider who could provide some liquidity. Yeah, they talked to market maker. I think was a term yeah, one. yeah, yeah. Something uh, probably a market. Yes, I've, I've yeah, got I mean, no idea. So I'm then supporting instant sell. Then, then that's a huge uh, burden off their shoulders that they don't need support anymore. Um, and all they need to then focus on is liquidity that that is supporting dividends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if removing themselves from the market and reducing that liability is massive, but it remains to be that this will be the define not, not the defining moment, but probably one of the biggest moments in in the index roadmap, right? Now, this transition to order books, removing yourself from the market, it's a it's a. Do you think it's a big gamble? Um, I don't think it's a gamble. I think it's a calculated risk, or uh, I suppose that's that's a gamble in itself. But um, I think they've obviously done their research and. And they know they know the market well, and they're they're trialing. I mean, this is probably one of the aims of the trials to see if they can squeeze out any more commission from players that previously didn't have any value. Are they going to add value anywhere else um, to do the same sort of thing? Um, so I think I think they really know what they're doing on this, and I wouldn't say that they're gambling on it. I, I think it's it's certainly something they've done the numbers on. Um, it's, a big, it's a big gamble to make. Um, I don't know what the value of the company stands at the moment, but there's a lot of shareholders that will be very upset if the index are taking gambles, and I don't think they're the sort of company that does that from the experience that I've had with them over the past couple of years. They seem, although they do do things that um, perhaps in the short term people like people can't see the end game of it, but long term it, it always seems to come out on top. Yeah, certainly so. I think what you can give them credit for is making 
a good decision every time they've had a big decision to make, if that makes sense. But uh, we'll move on to FPL Addict's question. What are the barriers to FI building a long-lasting product? Ultimately, they need to make money, of course. I've seen a few posts on the Index Game chat. Now, I've not seen these posts myself, but I'm assuming they were alluding to the notion that Football Index might not be sustainable in the long term. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see this chat either. Um, I think we've kind of discussed most of that. Mm, mm. So uh, the barriers to Football Index building a lasting product, like, he's got to be talking about commission versus dividends. And yeah. I think we've just discussed that. Yeah, I agree. I think that making sure there's enough volume being traded and there's enough liquidity in the market that the commission is great enough to cover those dividends is going to be pivotal, but also making the market stable when we reach that order book point, because I think there's going to be a lot of worried traders. And if certain players have massive spreads between them, then it's going to be, uh, there's going to be people at panic stations and that's normal because it's a big change, but we'll see where that goes. And it remains to be seen how well that will go, but we will hope the best. And as I mentioned, they have to their credit, done well with every big decision that they made so next question ej footy index who needs to get his ass on the show what three things would you introduce or change to make football index reach its potential quicker whilst retaining platform stability so introduction or change of things would you change anything uh well first of all i would second that there. I'd, love, I'd love to hear his views <laughs> uh, he, he does seem like someone that's um that very much interested in the growth and he's got some great ideas around that um but uh, the first thing that I would do, I, I I see no drawbacks to a share split, and I think that that would be uh, that would be a great move for Football Index. I don't think there's any risk involved from their side. Um, it will massively reduce the spreads, um, and I think that will in itself increase liquidity um, and and give them somewhere to go with their next move. Um, I I genuinely don't know what they're waiting for. If it was me, I I would have done it. If not before Christmas, then I'll certainly do it at Christmas. Um, so perhaps that's, that's something they're thinking about. I, I really hope it is. And that's not because I hold players that people seem to think are going to benefit from a share split, which is it's a backwards way of thinking anyway, because everyone maintains the exact same value. There's no. Yeah, they, they shouldn't. But I think it's become like a self fulfilling prophecy, haven't it? Hasn't it at this point? Yeah. Um, but but I've. But going along the barrier to entry, I genuinely think that people will be less scared to invest in a £7, £8 player as opposed to a £15, £16 player. Um, and I think you'll, I, th- I think Football Index will see a lot of benefit from that. Um, so that's where I sit on the, the share split side of things. Um, the second thing I'd do was, uh, would, would be to push this data site out as quickly as possible because um, I think that will get people... Uh, really engaging in the dividend structure and what makes players have true value, which we spoke about briefly before. Um, and I think that will be a massive thing for Football Index. So they don't have to go hunting for this information. It's all readily, readily available. And there's, uh, Kieran spoke about this last month, I think, about suggestions about what, what people currently use to work their way around fixtures and uh, what they look at while, while the games are going on. So they seem like they're they're on that, and and it is coming. People are just going to have to be patient with it. But the quicker they can get out there, the better. Um, and the third one, um, I would say, would be uh, dividend representation on football index. Um, this is a big bugbear of mine. Um, 
to the profit formula. Um, so the way you make profit, you buy a player, you sell a player at their, at their sell price, whether that's instant sell or market sell. Uh, you take away the commission and then you add the dividends. Um, but there's no indication of dividends per trade on Thumbelitness, which really gets my goat. And, uh, and it's such an easy fix. And I know Kieran and her team are onto that. Um, hopefully it will come in the new data product. But again, I just wanted to get out there that I think that's perhaps another reason why dividends are perhaps a little bit misunderstood because they're not staring in the face in, the pro, in your profile page. You've got the buy price and the sell price, red and green, and that's what people are seeing. I don't think people are perhaps appreciating the, the long-term cumulative impact of dividends. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. I think the barriers to football index building a last... Oh, sorry, wrong question. Uh, the three things I'd introduce and change. For me, I think there's still that notion of the comm side and becoming a bit more professional isn't quite the word but a bit more slick and clean in the way they operate if that's fair yeah absolutely um i think they've learned a lot of lessons from the gna um, and i think they've taken on boards um, a lot of the feedback so it'll be interesting to see their next move but from a communication standpoint they certainly seem to uh, be a little bit more aware of what's going on we haven't heard from Mike from a while. That's, that's been interesting. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Mike uh, is doing really well. And you can hear him on the Football Index podcast when I go and record with him and Adam Cole on the 21st of November. So if you have any questions for them, please DM me. We'll move on to the next question. Uh, Paul F.I. says, Luke, where do you think F.I. will expand to next? What time scale do you anticipate and what impact do you think they it will have? Not rather, I will have. <laughs> what, what what impact do you think it will have specifically on players playing in those countries cheers so i think yeah again we're talking about foreign territories here yeah um you know dublin's tomorrow um, so hopefully there'll be some further news about that but from what they said before spain and germany next year that's what they said um and like we saw with sweden there'll be a pump on spanish and german players for absolutely no reason um, because like you said, they'll they'll gain initially a very small percentage of, of that audience. Um, I said people buying them, but they'll, they'll think all the Spanish and the Germans are buying these players, but, but they're not. It's the English guys thinking that they're going to buy them, which in itself is perhaps a reason to buy. I, I don't know. Um, but again, you know, don't get caught um, holding them at too high a price. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be a relatively short-term impact with that. But moving forward from there, um, again, it will, it will depend on the marketing um, and whether they associate, um, they, whether they bring in a new dividend specifically for that territory. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see how it plans out. I don't think anyone should be speculating over specific trades on Spanish and German players at the moment. So we've got some more information. Mm, yeah, certainly. I think the it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this island uh, island trade of me. I think it's going to be a lot of what we discuss on next week's pod uh and by the time this is out it's already out in the open so hopefully it's positive and Gilliam has some great things to say uh next question football index ai what improvements would you like to see with the app in general what do you think if i could do to tempt in more traders keep up the good work rat catcher so let's focus in on that first one so in terms of the app what do you want to see changed because i think we've talked about what they can do to acquire more users or tempt more users 
Yeah, um, my biggest thing is the portfolio representation on on the uh, sorry the dividend representation on portfolios. Um, just adding another column there because um, you don't know your profit until you account for that. Um, I think that's fundamental to the whole thing. Um, it annoys me that they still haven't fixed out this bug with the 24-hour, seven-day um, numbers. They always seem to go to zero. Um, it'd be good to have some more um, means of sorting players as well, like grouping them into specific holds, like whether they be a, a short-term or long-term, a, a dividend-yielding hold, whatever it is, um, then I'd like to see you be able to break down your portfolio rather than just coming up. In, in a list where you sort via least shares, most shares, most value, whatever. Um, but in general, I, I, I think the app's probably the, the best means of uh, dealing with the index. I, I, I find the website itself um, less user-friendly and even less so the beta site, which which is a little bit concerning. I've, I've worked my way around that, that a little bit and uh, I just find you can't scroll up and down and there's, there's some basic functionality which really does need to be looked at. But, I, I mean, it will come that they're still trawling through the feedback and they're going to need some time to, to get that in order. Yeah, I think a lot of people have complaints about the app, but it it's done the job really until now, hasn't it? I think uh, it's uh, it certainly can be improved, but perhaps, as you mentioned, maybe not at the top of Football Index's priority list. And when you are a small company, you need to prioritise, don't you? Yeah, of course. Um, and we'll, we'll hopefully we'll get some more information about where they are prioritising in the Dublin meet and, and beyond that. But for now, I, I, I can only speculate that, they're, that marketing has taken over a, a huge amount of their time. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But I think we've got to move on to the next section here, Luke, because uh, nearly done an hour already with a just over halfway through but before i go on i uh, just want to remind you guys that i'm also on youtube if you want to have a look at some of my videos please do go over there football index guide on youtube as well latest episode of the bank builder just went up that's uh gone on to 700 odd quid now it'll be some good fun when we get to about a thousand i've got quite a good idea which will be very interactive for the community so i think it'll be good good fun i think i'm not too sure and uh what about the football index newsletter if you want to see some written content we've got a new signing uh did you see that luke new signing to the uh to the newsletter highly rate that guy um what's he called football index trader yeah football index trader how's he get away with that name i don't know how is no one else that name he is on the pulse every single day he i don't know what he's like predicting things but he's certainly good at commenting on what's happened so (laughs) What's what is crystal balls like? <laughs> well, we will look forward to hearing more of his commentary every fortnight on the Football Index newsletter. So if you guys haven't signed up, please do DM me or get in touch with myself, LM or in fact for the index trader, or you can email me at football.index.guide at gmail.com and I can send you over a link. Uh, if you want to hear me speak about football and not just football index then head over to the state of play pod uh seven episodes in now and the last episode was all about uh, lucas terrera and jengis and uh, amongst a few other topics of football and if you want to collaborate or sponsor the podcast please do shoot me an email football.index.guide at gmail.com but on with the show so the next kind of portion of the episode is about kind of strategy and advice obviously you have I wouldn't say a unique strategy, but you're certainly renowned for it. So a lot of people want to hear your thoughts. So Fitty Index, George, or yeah, George, what are the most important lessons you have learned since you have been trading on the index? 
patients and from my experience um you, you really need to sell your strategy and leave it and let it run and see what happens um every time i toy with my portfolio and start moving things around uh, i i generally make a hash of it um so yeah i, I mean obviously i am a long longer term trader um and i do that because of my lifestyle my job i travel a hell of a lot um, so I'm not, I don't have the physical ability to trade that often. And, and I, I do do a little bit of trading in, in play, but I, I'm no good at it. So generally stick to what you know is my best advice. Um, but also uh, coupled with that, I've also found following people on Twitter that challenge your views is also very, very valuable. And so not, not so much so that I would, um, I would go about learning how to do that particular type of trading, but just so you've got some appreciation of, movement in and around those trades and you know what people are doing um, so i think it's good to have a, a broader understanding um, so check out who you follow on twitter and don't always go for people that are safe and give you the the friendly buys because they share your point of view i, I encourage people to challenge themselves yeah that's really really interesting i've not heard anyone say that on the podcast yet so thanks for bringing that up definitely you want to get as many different opinions as you can from different people which will help mold your own if that's if that's if you know what I mean. Yeah, completely. I, I think it was, um, uh, who was the short term? Is it Pierre, the short term? Pierre, yeah, Pierre. Yeah, I mean, I love that podcast because I disagree with almost everything you said. <laughs> but it, uh, it was certainly an eye-opener. So I, I understand a little bit more about how that in-play trading works. And it, it's, it sort of gives you an indicator of when perhaps you should and shouldn't buy if you're looking to pick up longer-term holds. So that's that's helped me with my strategy by learning from someone else's strategy that's completely opposite keep your friends close but your rats closer am i right absolutely <laughs> next question swfi what's your long-term plan with your portfolio and do you have an exit strategy yeah this is one I, again i thought long and hard about um i don't have an exit strategy um but uh, i'm quite enjoying the the growth at the moment and i i think it's got a long way to go so i don't anticipate in pulling much of my portfolio out until um, until I think that's perhaps going to stop. Um, but I've got a wedding next year, so um, hopefully that won't get too pricey. And, and I'm always trying to hide my account from the missus so she doesn't know how much is in there. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously things in life happen, and and uh, and you need money for a lot of it. So I don't know. I, I would regret pulling a lot of it out because. And especially if I were to do it now, because I think we're so close to such a such a such big things that are going to happen on the index that I'd just be kicking myself if I pulled half of my messies, for example, and then you look at two months' time, and he's uh, he's another twenty percent up in value with another pounds worth of dividends. It, it really upset me. So <laughs> no change. So that FOMO is. Uh is is kind of diverting your attention from the withdrawal button oh yeah it's live and kicking here <laughs> next question rio index uh as you're a long-term dividend trader he also asks what your exit strategy is and then he, he well he gives an example so maybe you can go into this a bit example is there a dividend underperformance from a player that would make you sell so maybe this is an exit strategy for certain players or a general exit strategy that you employ on players in general for your trades rather than exiting large chunks of your portfolio out of the index or moving money out of the index? Yeah, another interesting question. Um, I don't look at yields. I'm, I'm not that mathematically 
um, involved with with the trades, um, but there are people that will do that. Um, but it's so it's so random some of these some of these winners that it, it's very difficult to predict a certain yield just because they've done it in the past doesn't mean they're going to do it in the future. Um, in terms of how I exit trades, um, I spoke about market cycles on the last pod. Um, so perhaps we're uh, just on the cusp of one going into the next international break. Um, so it's not something I would exit on. I would look at the bigger summer break as an exit strategy. Um, and in the run up to some of the knockout stages of the uh, European competitions, um, are the so they're the kind of market cycle indicators that I would look to exit a trade or, or some of my trades or a portion of that player um, to mitigate the risk. Um, but uh, other than that, if there's a dividend underperformance, um, it would have to be sustained and have a have a, have a have a reason behind it rather than just bad luck or someone's had a really good game and they've missed out because uh, they've conceded and he's lost a goal-winning goal. There's there's so much of that that's happened. Um, I think I, I, I commented about Mo Salah uh, this season about how unlucky he's been because um, he was getting in the right positions and his stats were good. Um, when you look at the amount of shots and the positions he was getting into, uh, but he was he was not quite on point and he was um, he was struggling with a bit of form. But I mean, he's he's a quality player, so he's always going to come back. So you, you need to have patience from that perspective. Mm. Yeah, I think there's something about well, there's nothing really in one specific game that would make me sell a player unless it's a change of formation or a change of position which makes them underperform from a pb standpoint significantly but speaking of yields the real fi coal <laughs> i don't really know what that is uh do, do you require a certain historical yields from dividends on each player for example i only took look at players that have 10 percent pb yield and 20 percent yield and mb this is very similar to the one before but he says quite interesting something interesting that I think you might want to get into below that, unless there is a standout reason for that yield, i.e. the Sanchez transfer rumours up until his transfer to Manchester United. So why don't you talk about maybe kind of those sustained runs of MB or PB where those might be good opportunities to perhaps exit a position as well? Yeah, again, I mean, I spoke to, I spoke about yields in comparison to the uh, financial markets and, and how they compare. Um, in terms of uh, how that relates to football index and specific trades, uh, we spoke about market cycles very briefly. Um, but yeah, um, I think it was you that said this um, when you were challenged me on uh, playing devil's advocate on the last pod. Um, it's not so much about uh, their current dividend yield, it's about their future potential dividend yield. And I'm not talking about 17-year-olds over <laughs> 15 years. I'm talking about... Um, coming to the end of a, a media cycle. So you, um, it's much easier to sell uh, while the demand is high um, and the spreads will be lower. There'll be there'll be people to, to buy it if you're on a market, sell it, which I would always recommend. Um, but yeah, getting up early and sacrificing a buzz or two uh, might not be the worst thing to do. Um, but uh, trading in and out of um, international break and, and 10 days of media, for example, it's, it's not something I do. I, I look at the, the the bigger market cycles when you come to the end of the se season and you've got uh, two to three months of triple media and transfer speculation rather than just 10 days. 
Uh, yeah, definitely. I think um, th- there's definitely a lot to consider, isn't there, from that perspective? Yeah, and it all comes down to lifestyle and, and, and how much time you want to spend on the index. And some will have more than the others won't have as much. Um, and it's all linked to that. Um, you, you know, you could in-play uh, trade uh, like Pierre was doing. I, I couldn't think of anything worse than sitting and watching a game, sitting like watching a game, but watching your phone and watching how the prices move in. I, I want to sit down and enjoy the game. And, you know, if someone does break my head, like Pierre's going to be on it before me. But um, I don't know, like, that's that's just a lifestyle choice but i I think people should be investing to support their lifestyle and not to the detriment of it yeah definitely i think it's finding what's best for you personally and that's in terms of time spent on the index but also the trading strategy some people might enjoy that buzz win some people might enjoy flipping the player in play like we mentioned Pierre Pierre sorry uh my French isn't great (laughs) um you want to do what's kind of most fun for you and what gives you that biggest buzz because at the end of the day the great thing about this product is that you can make money but there's also great fun there we go me selling football index to you (laughs) next question kl 5000 fi how many players do you currently have in your portfolio? People often say those with smaller portfolios should have less players with more shares. Do you agree? My personal view is that is those with less than 5K portfolio can still have around 50 players if they want. What are your thoughts? Well, I guess you can have as many as you want, technically. Yeah, um, I, I took a quick look at my portfolio to put some context to this. So uh, 40% of my portfolio by value is in the top 10. 14% by volume is in the top 10. My biggest hold by value is 10% of my portfolio. I've currently got 90 players and 33,500 shares. My lowest price player is £1.06. I've got 25 sport players and 65 top 200 players. So that's kind of how my portfolio is set up. And I also keep track of who's in what leagues. Um, So I've got a diversified uh, structure on the leagues as well as teams and people not competing for the same dividend. Or if they are, then they're, they're a support. Uh, player for that position so if there's an injury I've mitigated some risk there um, but in terms of um, having a small portfolio versus a large one and how many players you should have again I think it's a lifestyle choice I don't, I don't think there's any hard and fast rules on it um, but it's, it's important that you're able to track whatever you have and mine at 90 players I really struggle with that so it's perhaps something I should look at trimming down and again that's something that I wish Football Index would help me with um, by bringing in um, some means for me to do that on the app and the website. Um, so not a, not a lot of great advice in there, but um, just do what's right for you. And if you're finding that you don't know who's moved where, then perhaps you need to trim things down a little bit um, or spend more time uh, looking at who's moved. Yeah, I think the there's no one shoe that fits all right. You want to do what's what works for you like we discussed in the previous question next question from index complex Uh, i think there's another question here about you being dividend focused you're a trader focused on dividends i think if so what do you make of the market investing in expensive younger players when at similar prices you can buy solid pb returners we've talked about this quite a lot earlier in the episode but let's just skim it one more time here luke yeah um young players based on speculation um, I think there's good value in that for the initial part of their rise. Once they've risen um, to a point where they are perhaps, uh, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't even put a figure on it, perhaps half the price of 
the position that they would be had they realized their potential, then I think the risk is, is increased significantly. So yes, there's value in, in youth, um, but I, I would be cautious of holding them for too long um, because I think there's better returns to be had from dividend-yielding players who are doing the business that they would be doing or, on the contrary, if they don't make it to that grade, then their stock would, is potentially worth zero. Yeah, definitely. I think if someone has no potential to return dividends or doesn't return dividends at all, then technically their value is zero in accordance to the way Football Index works. But FI Charlie asks, will you ever, will we ever see you buying a youngster? If so, what criteria would they have to meet to become part of your portfolio? Yes, I own youngsters. I'm not proud of it. <laughs> but uh, hey, you, you can't ignore trends. Um, and if you do, then you're missing out on an opportunity. I don't hold many youngsters at all, um, but I hold a very small portion and I don't intend to hold them for very long. Um, so I will be exiting positions and I don't hold a lot of this stuff. So don't, please don't trade on the back of this that you think the market's going to uh, go south on young players. Um, although I, I don't think they're good long-term value. Uh, well, some of them at their current prices. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just feel a little bit dirty buying young players uh, and selling off perhaps older players. That um, Because I, I do think there's some truth in older players being at high risk uh, from injuries and um, they, their career being cut short a little bit. I, there's certainly some truth in that. So I've been a little bit more cautious with older players. Um, and... Um, I've had a punt on some young players, but it is a punt. Mm, that's what maybe people should start calling them, right? Next question, Daily. How often do you trade and what would you say is your average length of time to hold a player? Um, how often do I trade? Rarely, um, because of my lifestyle, because of my job and the travel commitments I have. Um, but in and around that, I will trade in and out of longer term market cycles. Um, average length of player that I hold, I, I have no idea. There's some players, but there's a lot of players that I've bought and I still haven't sold. Um, in fact, I would say over 60, 70% of my portfolio I've not sold since I bought it. Um, opportunities missed, yes. Um, but uh, it's worked for me and my lifestyle. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with that and I could have made more money and you will make more money if you trade more regularly if you know what you're doing. We could all have made more money on Football Index, right? That you can always make more money. Um, questions next, or well, next up, we've got questions about the goals and assist dividends. So the first question comes from Football Index Dragon. What would you change on the app to make it easier to track GNA dividends? One, and are you expecting any major news updates on the future plans? for the platform during the Dublin trader meet? Uh, no, I, I don't think we're going to get any news at Dublin. Um, they'll probably give an in indication of how it's going. There'll be questions in and around it, um, but I don't think we'll get an indication of uh, what they plan to do with it. They they said on the announcement that it's certainly going to be uh, that or a similar version of is going to be here to stay um, for the short-term in-play trading type um, gamble that, that people want to have. Um, changes that I would like to see in and around it. Um, I quite like the idea of tiering the uh, payouts for positions, um, not to uh, not to balance the positional bias that it's that it's uh, that had when it when it was released. But 
I think it aligns it more with fantasy football. Um, although I was upset about the positional bias and the big sellers on defenders, that hurt me quite a lot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think that's my feedback on it. Um, there's also been quite a lot of chat about the length of holds. Um, and this is uh, perhaps brings me on to a, a more telling point about liquidity versus volatility. And at the moment, we've seen GNA give value to uh, number nines, um, and which is a really good thing. I think that that's, that's great that people have been added, that have got value added to them, um, that it's more exciting in play. People are trading more um, on goals and assists, which I think is great. And I, I do like the concept. Um, my uh, fear with it is that if they increase the payout or they increase the uh, the share, the, the length of days where it becomes a new share. So if they increase, it's currently 30 days. If they increase that to three months, for example, then your dividend yields will increase further up the market and, provide, uh, and it will destabilize the middle ground of the market and, and perhaps the, the upper ground of the market. And I think at that point, there, there's some questions that need to be asked with liquidity versus volatility and the stability that that will bring. Um, so I don't know, I, I would like it to see it increase much further than 45 days is, is the number I've plucked out of the air, but I mean, it's, it's difficult to, to keep it simplistic. So perhaps a month is the answer, I'm not sure, but anything longer and I would be a little bit apprehensive about the volatility that it will bring. Yeah, I think it should just be done month on month, right? Yeah. I think that's that's what I would do. Way of doing it. it also means that you have that potential to th- seek that short-term win, but it will, as we've mentioned before on the podcast give those longer term traders opportunities to exit trades on players they might not have thought about exiting before yeah of course yeah um and i i really like the sentiment that it it gives back a little bit of commission and takes a sting out of it i think that's a really nice nice uh, marketing way to put it anyway <laughs> next question from andrew allen if goals and assists becomes a permanent feature how would you improve it so very similar question uh we talked about the length uh, and uh, the ease of tracking it so you wouldn't would you would you weight it slightly more to defenders i think you, you implied that you would earlier yeah um i'd like to align it with a fancy football uh goal structure that um positions have on that i think it's a nice tidy way of doing it it appeals to them and the length I hold, I, I think, is about right. So I wouldn't change too much about it. I quite like it. In terms of how it's tracked on a portfolio, yes, it'd be nice to have something alongside, much like a dividend representation, just have goal and assist representation next to it. It's kind of they can do. It'd be nice and easy because, again, you don't know, you don't know the proper former until you've got all the information and, and that's going to be in there. I think just a little star or an annotation showing that you have bought this player on this day or on this, like if they just did it monthly, not thirty day cycles. If they just did it monthly, then you could you could just have a little um, a a date when it's bought above the or like on the players tab or like a, a color to indicate a month or something like that. I'm not too sure. Uh, they could do loads of different things, but I think they're in a strange situation now. If they added clean sheets, for example, um, then obviously goalkeepers would see a massive rise, and I'm not sure if they want that you can't exactly if you if you gave a certain amount of points or dividends returns for defenders scoring a goal or assisting a goal then like who what defenders are you going to buy 
that could score goals in one month. Do you know what I mean? Like, who would you buy that could score a goal that month? And would you do it unless the dividend returns are serious? Because at the moment, people are buying those number nines because uh, of the potential of them scoring doubles or triples or hat tricks. Triples? Who says triples? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, yeah. Clean sheets are an interesting one. I I think, I think, uh, uh, like, uh, Chrissy was saying on, on the last pod I listened to that you know goals are goals are the life and blood of football. Clean uh, sheets are important, but not so much. So uh, yes, it would be nice to give back some some value that perhaps was taken away from defenders. But I don't think clean sheets is it, and I think a tiered uh, uh, payout for positional dividends is is a better way of doing it. Um, in terms of goalkeepers getting value, I'm not against it, but I think they. They've proven that they can win PB. It's a, it's a rare thing that happens, but value there, um, not a lot. And if they can increase a little bit of value in and around goalkeepers, I, I wouldn't be averse to it. Mm, interesting, interesting. Uh, next question, Weng, uh, Weng, Weng you, uh, what annoys you more, seeing a trending list full of little-known 50p players who've been pumped on Twitter or a random player pipping an MB win just before midnight at the expense of Ronaldo, Neymar or Messi? Um, both are frustrating, but uh, a trend in this full of nonsense is is certainly my pet hate on the index. I think even today I put out a tweet about someone that was linked with uh, Watford. It was an Iranian player that was linked with Watford, and uh, he'd spiked fifty percent on the trending board, and people were still buying him, even though he was number one on the trending list. Like you're gonna get flipped out. Stop doing it. I'd argue that being pipped to, to an MB is even more frustrating because, did I say MB there or PB? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bloody hell. Pipped to a performance buzz is what I meant because if, say, one of your players has scored massively early in the day and you get pipped by the last game on the day, say it's a Sunday evening and you're sat home with some tea watching the game thinking, bloody hell, this guy's got no chance of catching X player and then they score three or four goals out of nowhere. I'm trying to think of examples. I think, um, uh, oh, there's that guy in the French League who pipped, who was it? Did he score four that time? I'm trying to think of who it is. Yeah, I don't know his name, but I remember it. That was a monster score. Uh, I, I think he might have beaten an Neymar or a Messi uh, or a Ronaldo, but it, it's just one of those really unfortunate things where you have, say, a midfielder score two penalties or yeah, a striker score four goals when they've scored two goals all season or something like that. I think that's much more, uh, not frustrating, but it's kind of like, how did this happen? They were definitely going to win. Or something even like uh, when <laughs> when Messi gave his penalty away to Suarez uh, or Ronaldo gave his Oh, God, that killed me. But, but it works both ways, right? Sometimes it'll happen in your favour, sometimes not. So I can forgive those ones, but the, the trend and board full of nonsense, so that winds me up. But I try not to let it upset me too much. I think you might have a stronger point than, than me there. Uh, last question in this this section before we move to, to a kind of a, an other question from Footy Index 102. The boy Riley asks, how long before Football Index will address the goalkeeper issue? There's pretty pointless... They're pretty pointless right now, so either their own PB or clean sheet dividends to give them the sort of purpose and address the imbalance, or do you think they should just remove goalkeepers eventually? Well, I don't think they should remove them because Alisson has shown that the right type of goalkeeper 
can actually return quite a lot of dividends. But I think you've alluded that you're not against them becoming slightly more valuable and returning a bit more dividends, but perhaps not their own PB category. I think that's a massive swing. Yeah, um, like I said, I'm not averse to them having more value, but um, like like, like, you, like you suggested, I don't think it should be a big move. Um, but I think if they're going to be on the index, then they, they do have very limited value. I, I agree that there is value there. Um, but I'd just like to see them have a little bit more. And, and the same applies for players that are in non-performance buzz leagues as a hangover from the World Cup. Um, you know, give them value or, or get rid of them. And I don't know who's still holding those players, the, the, the Iranian guy that I, you know, he's, he's just got a transfer to uh, Watford or something else. So perhaps there's a case that they, they do still have value in those outside chance cases. So I don't know what value he's got at Watford. I'd, might be an interesting thing for goalkeepers is rewarding those very unlikely events a bit more and what I mean by that is a penalty save maybe you reward that a bit more and maybe you make it so if a, a goalkeeper makes say seven saves in a game they get this many points so kind of aligning it slightly more to that fantasy football model yeah, like just that. just thought yeah, of that like as well. That. Just thought of that. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I don't know. I, I literally I have no idea what they could do to goalkeepers um, to make it. Well, I, I have an idea what they could do to make them more valuable. I don't know what they could do to make it so not a lot of capital leaves other positions in the market to go into goalkeepers, which would then make it a bit of an issue because it's kind of like the, the fallout from goals and assists where people get a bit annoyed that money has left their hold. Yeah, I mean, what surprised me is that Dublin takes place in 24 hours and goalkeepers haven't risen yet. So <laughs> you don't think that uh, there's an, a goalkeeper announced tomorrow, which which might even be the, the one day that they do it. <laughs> Who knows? Well, by the time this goes out on Sunday, you'll know if there is uh, goalkeeper dividends or whatever they try to randomly pull out the bag. But it'd be quite funny if you predicted that one right, Luke. Uh, last question of the show. It's been a long one. Uh, for the index 102, what is the best and worst thing you've witnessed on the index? Oh, gosh. Um, ah, I can't, you know, my mind's gone blank, so I'm going to have to pass on that one. Oh, um, dear. I'll, uh, I'll leave a comment when this goes out with an answer to that. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the best and worst things I've seen. I think, um, you know what? I think one of the best things I've seen is Fitty Index King, who's been on the show before he was one of the winners of the world cup competition and he just literally had a newborn like a couple weeks before he won it which i i thought was great i really liked that uh on the actual index itself i'm not too sure um i i think just kind of potentially buying bulks of a player myself and then rising the next day because they performed really well on pb and it being their kind of maiden breakout performance is, is a great feeling thinking or knowing that you've kind of got on that player before a lot of people uh it, it is great and timing those trades to their to their optimum is great the worst thing i think um you know what i'm just going to call out the guy that i screenshotted the other week a trying to pump that player and <laughs> he was he was selling him at the same time it was absolute disgrace wasn't yeah. it well tony, tony cruz has just posted a score of 318 with one goal and i was going to sell 150 80. of them last week but i still hold 900 so that was a good decision so maybe that's that's, <laughs> that's the, my best decision to date that, who that's, knows that's got to be that's the record isn't it it's beating neymar by um 
quite a bit. They were playing some absolute tripe today, though. Uh, the Polish team, they they looked awful. I watched a, a couple minutes of it before recording this. They looked absolutely terrible. But Tony Cruz, yeah, he's one of those guys that um, he'll either win it or he'll kind of post a pretty average score, isn't he? Um, remains to be remains to be very frustrating, but he's come good this time. Yeah, I'm sure you're a very happy man. So that might be the best thing that you've ever seen. But that, yeah, record score. So we'll end on that one. Uh, Luke, where can people find out more about you on Twitter? Um, so I am Stanford's uh, handle is uh, LUKUY0625. Um, happy to answer any questions that anyone's got. Yeah, throw him a follow, good man, and uh, knows a thing or two about the index. He's been on for a while. You can find me at at underscore fi guide i'm still trying to pull together some money so we can um i don't know really annoy the guy that has at fi guide either with some weird ads or um i don't know send him some letters uh (laughs) do something send him loads of emails harass him but not to the point that we uh we're we're legally implicated so that he gives me that handle and i take my true form on twitter um, <laughs> i can see you laughing in the camera um <laughs> thank you very much for listening and if you're commuting well, enjoy your commute if you're not commuting if you're on a plane well i guess that is commuting someone said that they listened to the podcast on a, on a flight the other day uh and if you're not commuting not on a plane not on a train not in a car you're scrubbing a toilet or in the bath then uh please do enjoy yourself as well thank you very much for listening